0: This is week two and we're here with the Grocery Guru that is Andrew Grant. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good Darren, how are you? Hey, I'm good, I'm good. So this is week two of our Grocery Guru and, week two. and we're here with the Grocery Guru. It? Last week we were talking about UFC which I thought was uh, Ultimate Fighting Champion but you corrected me and said it's Urban forf- Urban Fulfillment Centres. Right. Right. Second time. Yeah. I, very remember, good. I remember. So would you just give us 30 seconds on UFC? What was that all about? Right. Well, if I can remember a week ago. Right. Um,
1: the, the future really of, of, of retailing and what we're going to talk about today, um, I think, uh, carries on from there. But um, basically, grocery home shopping has grown faster since March than in the previous 10 years. because Clearly, wow. so many people at home. Um, people not wanting to go and wander around a, a superstore because of the physical distance rules. So they've all ordered home shopping. So home shopping is now, I hope I got my numbers right, can be up to 30% of a supermarket's turnover, and it's only going one way. So as a result, they're having to find ways to um, pick stuff more efficiently. And the likes of, I think I said last week, you know, Ocado has spent gazillions on massive, great automated factories, People like Tesco and Sainsbury's use uh, people in store to pick the stuff. Yep, yep. But if you've got 50% of your business, you're going to have more people picking than you have customers. So what they've very cleverly done, and we, t- we talked about the good old days where stores had um, had uh, stock rooms. They're yep. taking the biggest out-of-town stores, which we all know are slightly white elephants now, uh, and turning half of them over to picking space for home delivery. Okay. these are now called dark stores or urban fulfillment centers wow. um tesco i think i've got 17 planned in the next year
0: and i remember you telling me about the winners and the losers so we're looking at audi and Lidl possibly losing and tesco probably winning and asda is that right well a big opportunity for
1: asda because they've got the biggest stores in the out-of-town locations um new owners who are convenience experts not necessarily superstore experts So, yeah, you could see these massive Asda stores, half of them going dark and becoming
0: a picking centre. Brilliant. Okay, okay. And then you left us with a cliffhanger last time. Very good film. Very old. Maybe for another time. Sliced alone. Um, And you talked about category management is dead. Now, I've heard that term before and it's quite uh, uh, provocative. Category management is dead. What did you mean by it?
1: Yeah, I think its demise has been well-publicized um, well, uh, well publicized probably for the last 15 years. Um, I think when loyal, shopper loyalty data first came in, they said category management was dead. Um, but I think finally it is. Mm-hmm. And it's this move to home shopping and these urban fulfillment centers that will be the nail in the coffin of traditional category management. Mm-hmm. If you are a traditional grocery supplier selling Tins and packets that are relatively undifferentiated, because if you know if if, if half of the business is picked dark, yeah. then um, all your cans, all your packets of cereals, all your tins of stuff will be in the dark side of the store, and who's going to come in in future and you know want to browse the canned veg aisle? Yeah, you know, if you go around a superstore now, which are the aisles which are the emptiest? It's the pet food aisle. It's the canned veg and canned fruit aisle. Everybody's in the ready meal aisle or produce or the meat department.
0: Yeah, the sexier aisles, yeah.
1: Well, yeah, it's the experiential, experiential, do they call it, where, you know, people want to look at the tomatoes and buy the tomatoes that are just the right ripeness for them. Um, I like slightly green bananas. You probably like very ripe bananas. Um, I won't buy a steak online because how do you know you're not getting the off cut? You want to be able to choose the the rump steak that you want for your dinner. So I think the future is literally category management will split in half. You'll have half a store where people go in, if you like, for the experience. They want to see the fresh food and they want to see the meat and the produce and touch and feel and smell, etc. But then who bothers? Everybody knows what can of beans is. So why not have that hidden, picked and delivered to your home because it's a can of beans? So I think is a major challenge going forward for like some of the big branded manufacturers in those categories, your Heinz's and your Kellogg's, because you don't, have physical, you don't have physical placement anymore. And category management is all about physical placement.
0: All right, let me just take you back a bit, because a few people over the years have said to me, category management is dead. And we interviewed a guy who wrote a book, um, Andy did actually, category management is dead. And I, and I get to a point where I go, category management is simply meeting the shopper's needs. That's never going to change. So is it alive? But you're saying it's going to change.
1: Okay. Um, yeah, maybe it's not dead. Maybe it's like one of those mutant creatures that just morphs into something different. Okay. Um, yeah, a bit like Alien. You know, it, it it doesn't actually die. It just turns into something else. You're right. It's a category management, as somebody once said to me, is about disappointing the fewest customers
0: because <laughs> well, i remember when i was a sainsbury's ready meals buyer we we, we put in our diaries category management on a friday afternoon Like right. <laughs> that's crazy but that was in the 90s we did category management three hours a week the rest of the time we don't know what we did oh, well, I, I don't remember the 90s darren so you'll have to uh <laughs> have to remind me about that um all right what about then my other challenge, which is we've got a whole bunch of suppliers who split into three. They split into those that sort of get cash management, wherever we call that, meeting the shoppers needs embracing it. Those that have bought the data but sort of wince when they pay the bill and don't use it. And then those that go, yeah, cash management's still a bit odd. Um, yeah. Are we really going to leave most of those behind now? Well, uh, some of them potentially
1: have already left, been left behind. So, you know, your big branded players have yeah. been putting money into Shopper Insight probably for the last 10 years. And you see somebody like Gillette. Gillette now have the Gillette Club, where you sign up to get your razor blades direct. I think they bought, was it Harry's Razors they bought as well? The home home subscription razors. So people like Procter & Gamble, Gillette, are already trying to get direct to shopper so that they have that insight. Um, So for me, yeah, the big branded players will have the money to... You know, pump the money into shopper insight rather than traditional category management. As ever, it's your secondary and tertiary brands, and to some extent your own own brand players, who, as you say, either need to see the light, and that's what we're for, um, or they don't do it. And yeah. you will get left behind if you if you don't embrace, you know, as we call it, shopper insight management or shopper-led insight management, SLIM for short. Um, like, like to, yeah, Um you need to
0: embrace that and so if we take traditional category management and those suppliers that we're in I think this middle group are those that buy a huge amount of data but wince when they pay the bill and don't do much with it actually what's going to happen is not only do you need the data but you need data on e-commerce on those online shopping sites and you've got to embrace it and crunch, you're going to get left behind twice
1: yeah well People that buy the data and don't use it, it's a bit like buying a sports subscription for your telly and never watching a football match. What's the point? I know. Uh, well,
0: well, they do it because they think they should. They need to be seen to have it. But we've, over the years, worked with many, many clients who have spent a quarter of a million pounds on data and done shuffle with it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, there's the insights for this week. Um, category management is
1: morphing. Maybe it's not dead. It's certainly morphing into something very different and it's been accelerated by what we all had to go through the last um, six months.
0: And interestingly, a client who, who won't be named um, has just asked us to set up an e-commerce training program for cash management Because they want to get right ahead. Um, and they're setting up a team of 10 people as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think they're ones, one of the ones at the cutting edge, putting aside the Cokes and the Gillettes who are obviously doing it anyway. Yeah. All right. Okay, so catchment management is Dead urban fulfillment centers. All right, and what are you going to tease us with for next week?
1: God, have I got a cliffhanger for next week? Um, the cliffhanger is there is no. There's a what? There is no. The cliffhanger is there is no cliffhanger.
0: <laughs> okay. All right, grocery. Curry. We'll see what happens in the world of grocery next week. We'll see what happens. We'll pick up on the news. All right, grocery guru Andrew Grant, thank you very much for telling us the category management is dead and that there are three groups of suppliers potentially now a fourth and we need to embrace this e-commerce online stuff, particularly if it's a third of shopping habits. If we don't, we're going to get left behind even more. All right, we'll tune in next week and we'll see you then.